This is Bellator Colloquium, a podcast of the Bellator Society. Bellator in Latin means warrior, and a colloquium is a conversation. We at the Bellator Society are online warriors for the true, good, and beautiful, and this podcast is our conversation about all those things and so much more. Meet us here weekly at Bellator Colloquium and at bellatorsociety.com for content that will hopefully lift you, inspire you, comfort you, and make you feel a part of our Bellator Society. And welcome to podcast number nine. I'm Tracy Eddy, and my co-warrior on the other microphone is Fran Yeager. Hello. On this episode of the Bellator Colloquium, we are going back to our roots. If you follow us on social media, which we hope you do, um, you know that one of our main hashtags that we originally use is Catholic Click. So we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We have a Spotify channel. Um, and then also <laughs> don't forget the Spotify channel <laughs> and also this podcast. Um, but on social media, we've always, we've always used Catholic click because our vision for the Bellator society is to be a warrior for the true, good and beautiful, and to be a cheerleader for all those good things on the internet. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So hashtag Catholic click. Hashtag. I think that, I think that we should probably give people a little background on how we got to Catholic click. Do you yeah. think that's a good idea? I think it's a great idea. So my, as if my memory serves me, it was a bright sunny morning. On- <laughs> <laughs> Back in St. Olaf. Golden Girls <laughs> reference. For sure. Yeah, it is. They're my people. Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, so when Tracy and I were sort of um, in the planning stages of Bellator Society and figuring out, you know, what this thing would be or would, what this thing would become, we had some consultants join us. Um, and they, I think the buzzword that this one consultant used was, you need something like a, like a, a buzzword. You need something that's, you know, that, that people recognize easily. Like, like what, what, what is it? And like, I don't know if it was like a mantra or a slogan or whatever. And it just kind of like came out. Like we were like, we want to be people's Catholic click. Like we're constantly doing things on the internet. Like we're, we're scrolling and we're clicking and we're, you know, looking at all the things, but we want there every day for somebody to, we want there to be a Catholic click for somebody every day, you know? And again, it might not be that you (laughs) click on the USCCB daily readings. I hope it is. I hope that's one of the Catholic clicks, but it might not be like you, you might need something a little lighter or whatever. We might be looking for something a little bit different and we want to be that Catholic click, but we also didn't want to be like the the sole source of content. We knew that we needed to create content, which is why we have, you know, this warrior team of contributors, but we also know there's so much other good stuff out there that is not only being, you know, created by Catholics, but also just of interest to Catholics in the world. Absolutely. And and like we we have said to each other and we've said on podcasts and we I think we have it in one of our promotional videos, we want to be cheerleaders. We want to cheer for all the different groups who are putting out good things because there there is a lot of good on the internet. There's a lot of not so good, but there's a lot of mm-hmm. good and if we can if we can be a hub for all mm-hmm. those good things or for as many good things as as we can find and we can um, kind of corral into one place, then um, then that's just more goodness for our followers and our um, people who just maybe find us on the internet. That's just good, good stuff, good content. And yeah. and I think that you and I have come to the conclusion a long time ago that faith is fun. The Christian mm-hmm. faith is fun. We yeah. have a lot of we have contributed so much to society through. Um, through art and through science and through music and through literature, like you name it, there's not a facet in the world, in, in, civil, in the civilized world, that Christianity, that Catholic, early Christians, Catholic Christians didn't, didn't aren't really responsible for. I mean, universities, for crying out yeah, loud, you know, yeah. the education system, hospitals. And um, I just think in this day and age, we live in a very fast-paced world, and we forget about uh, maybe some of our contributions. And so yeah. it's a fun thing to go back and look and to, like, highlight. And so I hope that this becomes maybe a theme for us that we can do um, 
just ever so often that we can come up because you and I have a ton of favorites and sometimes you'll yeah. tell me things and I'm like I've never heard of that group or, I know. or I'll do the same thing and so we're we're introducing each other and I think you and I are pretty well-read people because we we love our faith and we love yeah. um we love diving into you know contributions from outside you know groups and outside Catholics that have um well they're, I guess they're not outside but you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Yeah. They're, they're not in the Bellator Society. They're outside of Bellator Society, but they're doing things that we are interested in. Right. And if I don't know about them, and you tell me, and you don't know about them, and I tell you, then obviously, probably a lot of our friends and a lot yeah. of our listeners don't know about them either. Or maybe they yeah. do, and maybe they can share some of their um, some of their Catholic cliques with us. And that'd be really Absolutely. Oh yeah, and I hope that that I hope that's the the jumping off point here as well. That like this isn't just stuff coming from us. This is stuff that probably we've heard from other people, and we would love to continue to hear from other people. So if you have a Catholic click that you want to share, um, please do that and just email us at bellatorsociety at gmail and we will receive that and we will process it and we will share, share, share because sharing is caring, <laughs> <laughs> which is another one of our favorite mantras. Speaking of fun and culture. And, um, that, you know, having a fun faith, Catholics like their beer. They do indeed. They, yes. they actually kind of like their scotch too, I think. <laughs> but did you know that monks like invented the brewing system, the, the beer brewing system, like the technology? No, I did not know that. Yes. So I was reading, I've seen a lot of, it's like there's a renaissance of breweries now. Oh, and craft not, beer is the yes, thing for sure. It's the thing. Yeah. And apparently like a thousand years ago when the plague was wiping out masses of people, Catholic monks figured out how to purify water, Mm -hmm. sanitize water by brewing it into beer. That was like hydration. It literally saved Western civilization. And um, (laughs) isn't that crazy? Wherein beer helps the world. (laughs) Well, it's why there's those, you know, sometimes there's like the races or the bike rides where at the end they'll have a beer or they'll have beer along the way because it really does provide hydration. I mean, it's kind of funny. Yeah, They're Um, like electrolytes as well. I mean, is it like the Gatorade of the centuries? I think it it is. Um, And we have some friends who have, who have done some of those bike rides and they're like, yeah, you got to get a good beer after or in the middle, you know, on the brakes or whatever. But anyway, so over time, there wars and famine and, um, you know, things like that have wiped out a lot of the, the breweries in Europe. I mean, that's where, that's where the brewing industry started was in Europe and like the Napoleonic war and, and just different wars like that wiped out the the breweries and, that's kind of a hard word to say, it and you almost really sound drunk when you say it. But again, there's a renaissance now, and there's a list. Actually, Catholic Click, I found a fun website called buildingcatholicculture.com, and they have um, consolidated a lot of the breweries around <laughs> the world. <laughs> and there's a lot in the, that that monks, you know, that are in different a- abbeys and monasteries. Yeah, but there's one in our home state um, of Su- at Subiaco Abbey, which if you've never been to Subiaco, it's gorgeous. Oh, it's gorgeous. And is this new? This isn't like it's they new. haven't had this for a super long time. Yeah, because they've always done the Abbey Brittle. If you've never yes. had their Abbey Brittle, you're missing out. <laughs> I give it to everyone for Christmas presents. Their monk sauce is awesome. If you like spicy, oh sauce. yes. And they do a lot. They do a lot of cool stuff there. They do like woodwork and beautiful calligraphy work, and they sell it to support themselves. That's, that's and it's a working farm and an all boys school as well. Like I mean, yes. it is a it's the real deal sort of a place. And so I think it's in 2018 they started from what I've from what I've seen because I've been following some articles. Um, the the cattle industry has become too expensive and cumbersome and just hard, just too labor intensive for the monks. And so they needed a new way to support themselves, the monastery, mm-hmm. the elder monks who they're, you know, caring for in their, in their late, in their later years. And so they started brewing beer and it is like exploded and they have a tap room where you can, um, where you can taste their beers on Saturday 
And, oh. and yeah. And they've got several like flavors. I think they have pale ale, an Abbey Amber, a stout ale. Um, but then I've read that somebody brought in blueberries and they did like a blueberry ale or so I think they have a lot of fun with it too. But I, but it seems like a fun place to go, like talk about, get, get a group of friends together, go on a road trip, taste some beer, support the Abbey, um, yeah. and get to know the monks cause they're pretty cool guys. I love that. Okay, so one of the monks there is Brother Raven Hire, who uh, used to teach at um, Christ the King at our old church's school. Uh-huh. And he was one of the uh, middle school literature teachers, and uh, he left to join the monastery. And so I kind of follow him, you know, on on Facebook and, and social media and just kind of see what he's doing. So I've seen some pictures of him uh, kind of involved in this, and it, it inspires me that I think I want to send him a message because I want them to create a replica of Samuel Smith's apricot beer. <laughs> have have you had it? No, but is it delicious? Oh my heavens. Oh my heavens. So we went to um it was the old Cheshire pub in London and this is the place like where Charles Dickens would, you know, sit and drink or whatever. And so when we went, everybody that we were with was having a beer and I don't drink beer at all. I don't even like it. I don't even like it. I don't even really like the smell of it. Like some people are like, I just love the smell, but I don't love the taste. I don't like the smell. I don't like the taste. It's not my thing. (laughs) And so I asked our waitress who was darling. I was like, is there anything that you can give me that'll make me feel like I'm drinking beer? (laughs) (laughs) I want to fit in. I do. I just, I, this peer pressure, it's real. It's very real to me. And I was like, I just, I want to, I don't want to, I don't want to order a glass of wine in this pub. So what it's closed. And she was like, well, we had this thing called um, organic apricot uh, beer. And so she brought me, it is so crisp and delicious and not super beer-like. And I love it. And so I came to, back to the United States and I was like, I got to find it. And I couldn't find it anywhere. Like I went to like our local, like, you know, beer grocery store, which like specializes in all of the microbrewery craft beer stuff. And they're like, well, we have, you know, several Samuel Smith, but we don't have that kind. And so I found it at a grocery store in Cincinnati called Jungle Gems and bought, you know, a few cases there. <laughs> and, um, and then my brother found it in Atlanta. And when he came to visit this past summer, he brought me like six, you know, cases of it. And I've been nursing it through the whole summer. <laughs> I bought like the last few bottles, but there is, it is so good. So anyway, all of that to say, Brother Raven, I'm going to be sending you an email with some suggestions. <laughs> Absolutely. So next time you go and you have a, a craft beer, you need to just thank a monk. Yes. Thank a, thank monk. a monk. I love that. And, and they're called Country Monk's Brewing. Okay. Because Subiaco is kind of in the country. You, it is in the country. For sure. And when you get there, you feel like you're in another country. Because yeah. the architecture is just gorgeous, stunningly gorgeous. Yes. The views are beautiful. Um, but it's kind of in the middle of nowhere, Arkansas. <laughs> and it, it it looks like, I mean, it, does, it is in the middle of nowhere, Arkansas, but it looks like it should be in the middle of nowhere, Europe. For sure. Like, it is, it is that beautiful and just stunning and breathtaking. And the first time we ever went to Subiaco, uh, we were on a camping trip with a couple of our friends and, um, lots, lots and lots of children. It was like the hottest day of summer in Arkansas, like in, in, I don't know, maybe 50 year record history. It was crazy. And we knew it was going to be super hot. So I was in charge of packing all of our, you know, children and myself and Matt was doing all the camping gear and his stuff. And when we got to the campsite, which was, you know, three or four hours away from our house, I guess three hours away from the house, Matt realized that he didn't pack any pants to wear to mass. And we were pretty sure that we should probably be wearing like long pants, you know, for for Sunday mass Yeah, (laughs) at the Abbey. It seemed right. And so I was like, Matt, you gotta, you gotta go find some pants. Like is there a Walmart here? And so like he left the campsite and went to the Paris, Arkansas Walmart, which is a country Walmart. And they did not have, I mean, like, you know, targets and Walmarts in the city will have like kind right. of business attire. I mean, it might not be super duper great quality, but they have something that is acceptable to wear. And, you know, it looks just fine. They did not have that at the Paris Walmart, but they did have a pair of very heavy, like, um, oiled canvas dicky work pants because that is the that it is the population they serve <laughs> I know and so that's what he bought and he brought it and he showed it to me and I was like uh, 
those are your, those are going to be your church pants. Okay. Well, we, this is what we're doing now. And he loved them. And in fact, they're like some of his favorite pants. They're his, they're definitely his work pants, but those pants are serious. They will never fall apart. They are (laughs) impressive pieces of engineering those pants. No holes in the knees. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I love I love a small country town, especially the the original Walmart's. Um, I mean, they're five and dime type stores. It's not yeah. you're not going to find. It's super not a superstore, right? Uh-uh. Right. It's not a superstore. We're so used to superstores now, but the original yeah. Walmart's were not didn't have food and all yeah. that stuff in them. And we're just used to, you know, mass produced things, which actually is a good segue into my Catholic click um, that I wanted to talk about, or one of the ones that I wanted to talk about is um, Catholic art. You know, I feel like we can go online to, I don't know, art.com and get, you know, you know, replica prints of, you know, famous artists doing, you know, beautiful work and, you know, Renaissance painters and posters and things like that. And all of those are beautiful and great for, you know, our art appreciation. But I feel like we have such a beautiful, again, kind of renaissance of Catholic artists today producing things um, in in smaller batches, you know, that you're not going to find, you know, necessarily, you know, in, in mass distribution online. But I think they are definitely worthy of attention. And one of my favorite Catholic artists today is... Um, the iconographer Daniel Mitsui. So it's M-I-T-S-U-I. Um, his, uh, his web address, his webpage is danielmitsui.com. And uh, we actually own five of his, uh, uh, how do you say it? Is it glicle, glicle, What is that word? That kind of print? Are you it's like really asking G- me clay? How to Oh, I think it might be clay. I think that might be it. I don't know. I see. It's one of those it. words. It's one of those words that I see all the time, and I know what it means. But like when I'm when I want to say it in like the world, I'm like I, I get stumped. I'm like I'm not actually sure what the word is anymore. Um, but he, we have like five of those prints. I think one of one or two of them we have signed by him. But um, it's beautiful. His art is so intricate and it's um it's almost has like a medieval feel to it in that it's all line pin line drawn and and painted and um actually we do have one that's not painted that's just black and white but um we have one that's called the throne of mercy that is um the Holy Spirit and God the Father um, holding up the cross of Jesus, surrounded by all the saints and angels and <clears throat> all the holy people. And it is just one of those paintings that you are, are, you know, pieces of art that you can look at and just forever. Like you just kind of yeah. like get lost in it, looking at all the faces and wondering who all the people are. And every single thing that he does in terms of detail has meaning, which is fascinating to me. Yeah. We, we met with, um, or we didn't meet with, we, I think we were seated. We were at a dinner of some sort and I can't even remember where we were at this dinner, but we were seated next to an iconographer. That's how you say it, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he was explaining to us the process of creating icons and that it is a very, there's, there are prayers. There are, Mm -hmm. everything has a meaning when you're creating the, the icon. So I found that so fascinating. And I love just like with the, with, the craft beer making and with the art. Mm -hmm. I love knowing somebody is so passionate about one thing that they do it and they do it so well. Yes. Yes. I can't, I don't know that, um, I can imagine myself. I'm so scattered. There's so many things I like to do. I wish that I had that focus and that like burning passion of, I am going to draw Mm -hmm. and I'm going to make a living and I'm going to be so good at this or, you know, that's just, that's the gift, knowing that gift that's been given to you. Like I'm going to invest in, in machinery to make beer and it's going to be the (laughs) best beer and people are going to love this beer. Same thing with art. I so appreciate it. And I think that, um, I think, like you said, we've had a renaissance of Catholic artists and you don't, there are Catholic artists who are exactly what you described, like just super talented, amazing. But you can even go on Etsy. Oh, yes. Look up Catholic art. And there's some amazing mom artists or mm-hmm. young, you know, small businesses. And they do these really beautiful saints or, um, and I, but I love the, the genre right now that we're kind of in where they'll do like the saint, but maybe the face is blurred a little bit, but you know who it is based on. Yeah. 
um, maybe the like Mother Teresa, you know, based on, you know, she has the blue and white, you know, habit outfit that the Sisters of Charity wear. Um, or you, you know, based on what they're holding or carrying or what's at their feet, you know who yeah. it is. You don't even have to see their face. Um, that's, that's kind of an art trendy, I guess, maybe art in the art it world is. right now in the Catholic It's like, world. I wonder, I mean, maybe we're coining a term here, but it's kind of like pop iconography, yeah. right? It's like, um, you, in the same way that all icons, uh, you know, are a window to Jesus, like you're supposed to kind of look through them and see Jesus, but you also look at them and see the symbol and that indicates to you who the person is. And so just as you're describing, like, even if you see a face that's blurred out and it doesn't look like the likeness of that person, you know exactly who it is. And, you know, they, it, it engenders a popularity among us. Like, you know, there's so many saints now today that I feel like we're just becoming more acquainted with because you know they've got cool iconography you know that 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 plays well to the masses um, and people are being introduced to really things of Catholicism that that they might not have been otherwise like there's that whole um, my saint my hero bracelet um, Uh uh, you know line um, that's saint benedict medals I mean who even I mean that's not something that the mass culture, I mean, people who aren't Catholic are wearing, you know, St. Benedict Jewelry. medals and being, yeah, and being introduced to, you know, just that spirituality in a way, uh, just by wearing the jewelry and being familiar with, you know, those, those symbols that are associated with St. Benedict. Well, and you said the masses and doesn't your artist, I'm not even going to try and say his last name, but doesn't he have a coloring book line? Okay, that was something else I was going to talk about. Yeah, so uh, I don't know if it was. It's been it's been a year or two since um, for Christmas we have. Hold on, I think we have eleven. 12 godchildren. <laughs> I think we've got a new one since we did this, but we got all of them Daniel Mitsui coloring books for Christmas and they're gorgeous. I mean, they are absolutely beautiful. And he has books, you know, like he has the the a rosary book. He has different themes for his coloring books. But he also, if you go to his website, he also has free downloads that like oh. if you're just at home with your kids or if you like to color, you know, because <laughs> I mean, that is a thing. There are yeah. plenty of adults that like that. That's just a relaxation um, exercise for them. Totally. He has those downloads on his website. So uh, I would definitely go visit his website. And while he is, he does do religious artwork for sure. He also has like botanical artwork and letterpress stuff that he does oh, other things cool. as well. That's really, it's really special and beautiful and it's particular to him like when you see something that's a Daniel Mitsui you know that that's like, like you know you he know did that. yeah yeah once you're you familiar his with look. his style oh yeah totally and and his coloring books are especially important to you because you you have a fear of mailing things that have any possibility <laughs> of breaking <laughs> so I know the coloring books are a particular excitement for you because because <laughs> they they mail nicely Actually, I was gonna say you have no idea, but you actually do have an idea. (laughs) This is like one of my secret like phobias is mailing something and having it like break in the mail or I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just don't trust the government with my stuff, I guess. (laughs) So a coloring book, it it like achieved every goal you have for it did. It was Catholic, easily mailable and and all of those things. I actually have two godchildren in the same family, though. I will say this, which is very interesting, just total side note, is when mailing things with the U.S. Postal Service, you might want to figure out ahead of time if it's less expensive to mail two things in one package or two things separately. Because in my mind, mailing two uh, coloring books together in one package seemed like the super efficient thing to do. However, it's heavy. It was the more expensive thing to do. Like to mail two coloring books in one package is more expensive than to get two different packages and mail them separately. Just FYI, I'm putting that out there as a public public service service announcement. (laughs) (laughs) So do you like? Do you like to? um, Since we know that now that you love art and you have a a thing for coloring books, um, especially (laughs) beautiful Catholic coloring books, do you? Are you a Bible journal girl? Do you journal in your Bible? 
Um, I have lots of notes in my Bible. So maybe, I mean, again, I think I've said this before. I'm not a great journaler, but, but I do take notes. Like I'm a great scholar. I love to take me a note. You are a good scholar. Well, I, I feel like like Bible journaling is something a lot of my Protestant friends do. What is it? Could you just tell me what it is? They highlight maybe passages that are, you know, speak to them. They maybe rewrite it or or kind of write a clarification in the margins. They maybe even doodle a little bit on, you know, in the bottoms or whatever. Yeah. And we have friends who, who for their children, they're always, you know, buying like washi tape and um, glitter markers. And, and I think for them, they feel like their children are spending time in the word and in scripture oh, and, yeah. and using kind of their creativity to, to really dig deeper into the Bible. Mm-hmm. is a good thing. And Kat, we weren't raised doing that. I mean, that's mm-hmm. not writing in the Bible would not have been something my mom would have probably looked kindly on. Not that it was a bad thing, but it was like, why would you write in your Bible? You know? Um, but I think as in, in t- 2019, um, I think more Catholics are a little bit more open to journaling in their Bibles. And so blessed is she, which is a great, um, ministry for women for like a sisterhood ministry and they put on retreats and they put on brunches and just um, lots of different opportunities to fellowship and to to do, you know, participate in Bible studies and such. But they also have some some product and their most a lot of their product is really good stuff. And it's stuff that um, I've enjoyed. But they have a Catholic journaling Bible. And I think it's one huh. of the first ones on the market or the first and only like Catholic, you know, has all the books of the Bible that, you mm-hmm. know, the original books of the Bible um, do you know has, the translation? Do you know what the translation is? Is it like New American or Revised Standard or the Little Rock? Okay. I'm just not curious. Not off the top of my head, um, but all my children have one. Uh-huh. Um, and the the margins are really wide, and so you can write on them. Or, you know, so you're mm-hmm. not like writing on necessarily totally desecrating the pages or whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, but that is something that if you or your kids – enjoy that kind of thing, um, check them out because I think the journaling Bible is something that it, it would make a great gift for you, for, for someone, you know, or, um, especially for kids, I feel like. So that's the blessed is she journaling Bible. I, I love their product. I think it's always beautiful, but it does have kind of like a girly feel to it. Is the, is the journaling Bible, um, does it have a feminine feel to it Not or would really. it be appropriate for boys? Okay. I think it'd great. be appropriate for boys. Um, yeah, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be looking this up. I love that. That's awesome. So you did not grow up with like did you take a did you take a like a Bible study course or like a Bible study class in school or when yeah. you were growing up? Did you? Okay, yeah. we had um we had Tammy Whale who is one of the originators of the Little Rock Scripture Study, which is like a, now like an international Scripture Study like movement like they, they do That's scripture awesome. studies all the time but it's out of Little Rock Arkansas and um, we had her as our teacher uh, growing up um, in school and so she taught us how to kind of process the word um, through scripture study and um, I, I still do this today so I do not use a highlighter in my bible and I actually have a couple of different Bibles, but um, I, I think I still have the one that she gave us in the third or fourth grade. But she taught us to use a yellow crayon to highlight in our Bible because the pages of that Bible were so thin that if you were to use a pen or a highlighter, it would always soak through, you yes. know, and, and just be unsightly. So she taught us how to, she taught us, I know, she taught us how to, to highlight with a yellow crayon and I still do that. Sometimes Jeez. I don't use yellow and sometimes I'll use like a colored pencil instead, but like I am very careful not to do like a marker or a highlighter in my Bible because I don't want it to bleed through and look unsightly. <laughs> well, and then you can't read the second page, the, yeah. the, the yeah. page on the back. So that, I mean, that's a, a legitimate concern. Yeah. Um, I'm looking at the Blessed Is She Journaling Bible right now, and it, I'm going to show you. Oh, yeah. No, that doesn't look feminine. No. no. That looks and great. Look, very good wide margins. Yeah. Um, yeah. I could use some wider margins in my life. Yeah. You can really just get in there and, and, and write down. But anyways, that's something I'm encouraging my kids to do because I think that um, what's – I think it helps them read and process mm-hmm. and maybe retain. And, and mm-hmm. I think it's a good thing to, to know what scripture speaks to you. I think mm-hmm. it's a good thing. And it's something we, um, 
we Catholics are a little bit, not necessarily guilty of, but as mm-hmm. a whole, we don't generally write down and memorize scripture. And But sometimes I think mm-hmm. it is good to be able to just fall back on on that scripture that maybe is just very personal to you. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, scripture is, I mean, just as we talked about with Matt Glover and our sacramental, like scripture is a sacramental, Mm -hmm. you know, it it is that the the thing that, that points us to God and leads us to God. So having the words on our lips and in our hearts and at our hands and at our fingertips, I think is so, is so beautiful and very important to the spiritual life. So um, I love that there, there's more access to it. <laughs> uh, you know, and that Catholics are being—I think Catholics are being more encouraged to to delve into Scripture study in a way that we maybe had not um, before. Not that we've ever been discouraged, no. but maybe just the the access to it, um, the you know the the availability, and I, I think too like a distinction um, from Catholicism to non-Catholic Christian religions is we aren't necessarily we, we are a religion of the word, but we're not a religion of the book. Right. Like we our understanding of the word is Jesus Christ. Right. And, and an extension of him is sacred scripture, is sacred tradition. You know, we have we, we have all of these things encompassing what we understand to be the word. And so not all of our not all of our revelation, not all of our truth comes from scripture um, entirely. Right. And so, and so it's not that we ignore it, but it's just that it's kind of a wider catch there. Like right. the net is wider than, than scripture alone, sola scriptura, right? So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and like you said, we, the, the Bible, it wasn't necessarily put together and compiled right after Jesus died. Right. I mean, there were like <laughs> hundreds of years of just oral history and tradition yeah and church teaching and that's how the early church functioned that's how right. the they, early they even church... had arguments over what would be canon you know right. it, it took it took some negotiating <laughs> right and e- so w- once we did get the bible and we did get the right books you know and all the books that that the church leaders chose to be mm-hmm. in the bible there's talks about some of the early disagreements and some of the early you know um meetings that they had mm-hmm. to to kind of come to an agreement or to solve an argument that's been happening since Jesus's time yeah yeah um but there was authority in the mm-hmm. early church to to rectify some of those arguments and to and to come down with an infallible decision that right. the church has held true ever since then you know and right. that's not just a one-time thing that's happened over and over um so i think like you said for us um having the Bible as our only means of authority mm-hmm. is not something we do. That's yeah, not Catholic. You know? It's not a ca- <laughs> it's it's not Catholic. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but spending time in scripture is Catholic and it is yes. something that we do. And we, yeah. we have our daily readings every day. If you want to read them, you can. Mm-hmm. And like you said, if you read them for, you know, years A, B and C and three mm-hmm. years, you read the entire Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also a good thing to just open the Bible to whatever speaks to you that day yeah. and to, to dig in and to pour over it and, um, and to, to just spend time with Jesus in, in sacred scripture. Absolutely. And I had a, I think it was a scripture study teacher once who, you know, really kind of reinforced that idea of our reverence for sacred scripture. And she, um, as an example, I think that maybe she dropped a Bible on the ground and then she picked it up. She's like, if, if, if you see someone drop a Bible on the ground, like what, what, what should you do? Like what would be a good, like to, to show reverence for this book, which is containing the word of God, what should you do? And so she, um, you know, instructed us if you ever, you know, accidentally drop a Bible on the ground or whatever, just kiss it. Like you would like a holy medal or something like that, because this is God's word, you know, and it's just yeah. showing reverence, um, for the word of God. And she said, and in the same way, you know, what are those little books that are in the pews? You know, she, the little we used to have um, uh, missalettes. Uh-huh. A lot of churches don't have missalettes anymore. We we tend to have like the 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 missals, which right. have all of the the readings in them for the year. But we used to have like monthly or seasonal missalettes, right? right. That had the daily readings or the Sunday readings in them. And her instruction was if you and, and I mean those were like tossed on pews <laughs> and tossed under pews. And her advice then was if you see that thrown on the ground or you know left on the wayside pick it up and, and kiss it and say, I love you, Jesus. I love your word. 
and put it back that. and just and just that little just that little coaching and an appreciation for the word of God. I mean, again, we know that nothing is particularly special about the paper that came from that tree, but we do know <laughs> that that upon it is written the word of God that He wants to speak to us um, today, and that just to just to reverence it in some small way uh, was a I thought just a really beautiful way that she taught us um, scripture study. I love that. So other Catholic, other, I know, what are some other Catholic cliques that, that are on your mind today? Any others? Yeah, I've got, I've got so many Catholic cliques. I've, I've, like we were talking (laughs) earlier, I'm like, we're going to run out of time. Have you seen the article? Do you, do you follow Catholic news agency? I'm sure you do. Of course I do. Yes, I do. So I, um, I love to read headlines and every once in a while a headline really grabs my attention and I, I dig into it. Did you know that there is a priest that was on the Titanic that is um, possibly on the road to sainthood? No. Who is okay. it? Well, his name was Father Biles, and mm-hmm. he was a priest at St. Helens Parish in England, mm-hmm. and he was heading to New York to preside over his brother's wedding. And he was 42 years old, and of course, we all know what happened to the Titanic. Mm-hmm. And on several accounts, Different sailors and different crew members tried to get him on a boat, you know, mm-hmm. one of the lifeboats, and he kept saying, no, no, I want to, I need to hear confessions. I need to absolve people of their sins. I need to pray with people. And so he felt his mission was to stay, you know, on the boat. And he apparently went around hearing confessions as the boat was sinking. He was hearing confessions. Oh. He was given absolution. And one of the, there were several, um, eyewitnesses, you know, who did yeah. survive and they have gone on to say in the, in, um, if you look, we can put on in our show notes, the website that's been uh-huh. opened up for, um, you know, to collect information on him for his cause, um, for sainthood. But several eyewitnesses said people would get real excited, not because they were happy, but they were yeah. freaking out. You know, they were, they were, they knew they were about to die and he would come up and he would speak to them. And she said, they would say it was just miraculous. Like mm. everyone would calm, like he kept people calm in such terror. And he, and and this one person said she was on a lifeboat. She was on the last lifeboat. And as she was pulling away, um, as, as the boat was drifting further and further away from the Titanic, she could still hear him offering prayers. And then the people's res- people responding to his oh. prayers, um, wow. just in their, in their final moments as they, as they went to, you know, went to eternity. Um, and so the, the current priest at his former parish is really the promoter of his, uh-huh. of his cause um, cause. So, um, what is his name again? Father Thomas Biles. Okay. So like we can get in on the ground floor of this, like we can start asking for his intercession and maybe get a miracle. Absolutely. I like to make I like to make friends with people who are like just starting out their <laughs> canonization process, their beatification. That's right. I be mean, like, yeah, be like, be I cool? know that I could help you. We could like you know have this relationship. <laughs> I got a few miracles that you could do if you if you're so pleased. If Jesus was so pleasing to let you, yeah, I would I would be happy to receive a miracle. <laughs> and and I'm a good witness. I will happily attribute it to you. For absolutely, sure. <laughs> absolutely. So the website does, and that's exactly what they ask for our listeners yeah. who don't know. Um, part of the the path to to canonization is you have to have a couple miracles attributed to you um, mm-hmm. that that truly cannot can only be explained, be explained any other way. Yeah. Right. Um, and in the Catholic Church is not squishy on miracles. They are not like, mm-hmm. oh, that's probably a miracle. We'll give we'll give that one to you. Um, there is a, a God of, wink is not a miracle. No, no, my God <laughs> winks. Because I have miracles all the time. But no, these are like legit miracles. Like a a baby did not have a heart and the heart grew back. Or I mean they're yeah. really you know, a nun was dying of Parkinson's and got out of her bed and started walk, you know, mm-hmm. can walk free of any symptoms. Um, I mean they're they're pretty legitimate miracles and doc, you know, they bring in doctors and scientists and they really try to disprove it more than anything. Yes, exactly. And that's how yeah. they prove it. Um, and so on the website, it says, please in your kindness and your goodness, um, make friends with father Biles, pray for his intercession. And if, and yeah. if you have received any sort of miracle, um, that you believe can be attributed to him, let us know because we'd like to be able to investigate that and see if, if that would be approved by the church. So 
Father oh, Biles. Father Biles. You will be yes. hearing from me. I love that. No greater, no greater friend than to lay down your life. So yeah. Father Amen. Biles did it. Um, Amen. So on that, I mean, on a kind of a similar note, um, did you hear about the recent scandal with uh, Mother Francis Cabrini or St. Francis Cabrini? Yes. <gasps> Are you incensed? I have a bee in my bonnet. I am so <laughs> upset. In your bonnet. <laughs> Because <laughs> I know that the city of New York really wants to hear from me about this. Yeah, tell okay, us about so, it. Okay, so so a little crazy. backstory, and it made me think when you were saying that he was going to New York, and this is what brought yeah. it to my mind. So, just this past month, um, they made an announcement. There's a movement in New York City. I think it's run by um, this. This movement is, was begun or headed by uh, Mayor De Blasio's wife, as it Shirlane McRae, I think is her name, mm-hmm. and um, it's a it's called She Built NYC is the movement. And what they wanted to do, which I think is wonderful, yeah. is is create more statuary in the city um, of women who have contributed to New York society. Right. And on the surface, can we all say that's awesome? Like, amen. absolutely. Like, so many fist pumps. Awesome. However, I can't think of, yeah, however, comma, but um, they put out like a, a, a an appeal for people to nominate um, women who they thought would be good representatives of this movement. And you know who the number one nominee was who got, I think, I think the article said double the amount of any nominations of any of the other yep. um, nominees was Mother Francis Cabrini or St. Francis Cabrini. Yep. Um, and, and. She so they made the announcement of the people that they would build the statues of, and maybe it was like about half a dozen people who were on the list. I can't remember exactly the number, but she was not on the list, even though she got double the amount of the you know second place runner up. She was not on the list. What I mean, what is wrong it, with people? I have no idea. But you know who is on the list? Two non biological women. <laughs> so so men, and, and how and okay. How did they, what's their contribution to building New York City? Well, they were drag queens, Tracy. I mean, obviously, drag queens help build NYC. I mean, I know that the drag culture is a part of, like, a big metropolitan culture. But really, I mean, they got chosen, two of them got chosen over St. Francis Cabrini, who built hospitals, orphanages, schools, and not just in New York City, but in the United States. I mean, this woman is in our National uh, Women's Hall of Fame. Like, she is a, a pillar of American. She is the first... American citizen who was canonized. Yep. Like, and <laughs> she got and, beat out. And she, but she didn't get beat out. That's, no, that's yeah, the that's big true. B that in your true. bonnet. Yeah. She, she won. She overwhelmingly yeah. won. Yeah. And so why would, why would, why would the leadership kind of circumvent the people? Yeah. Who, have, who have voted. And so egregiously. So egregiously. And it's one thing if you want to pat it with something that maybe politically or socially you, you're you promoting. Yeah. Okay. But why would, why would you need to just completely wipe it off? I, I just think that that's, that's the problem today. That is the problem yeah. today. Like, it's either or. Why, why yeah. can't it be maybe both? All of them. Yeah, yeah, all of it. Like, if you want a drag queen who is actually not a woman to be, you know, a, a woman? representative of, you women? know, the, the women, then maybe you should also pick a woman who who did something huge Heroic. for society. Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, I can, I was trying, I always like to play the devil's advocate. And so in my head, as I was reading, I was like, well, maybe, maybe the, the reason that they didn't choose her is because maybe, you know, she's a religious figure and, you know, she doesn't have any sort of secular, you know, significant. But I'm like, no, of course she has secular significance. I mean, again, she's in our National Women's Hall of Fame. Like, it, it, she isn't just someone that we revere in the Catholic Church as a really cool lady. She did amazing things for 
education in the United States, yep. for hospitals in the United States. And she was every bit an example of what we herald as a true feminist in, in yes. the truest sense. Like she was a strong woman who wasn't relying on any man to get her what she needed or, or what the government. she or, or the government. Exactly. Like she was a strong woman who knew her, her place in the world, who fought for her place in the world, you know, who who did things that people did not think that she could do. Um, you know, it just it, it breaks my heart that that she was so easily eliminated when there was such a call in, in, you know, at least in New York City for her to be recognized and for her to just be like, mm, yeah, that was a good idea. And, you know, it just gives me that sense <laughs> of injustice. <laughs> it just gives me that sense of injustice that you get like when when someone like calls for a vote on something. And I mean, I have, I have examples in my mind, but like someone calls for a vote on something and then they don't like the way it turned out. And so they're like, okay, never mind. The vote didn't mean anything. Yeah. Why, like, that's why, why did you even start the process? If you are going to override have an arbitrary, come up with your own solution. Yeah. It's, but you know, what makes me happy and what kind of makes me smile is that mother Cabrini did win and she won with such large margins. And that's yeah. the truth. I mean, yes. that, and yeah. so it makes me happy to see that the goodness was honored and the goodness was yeah. recognized in Mother Cabrini, even though she won't be a statue, a statue in the middle of Times Square or whatever, <sighs> wherever the statues are going to be. And in typical sainthood, yeah, she she's she's suffering. I mean, she's not yeah. suffering, but but she's fine. It's not phasing her any, you know, we're mad, but we're also used to kind of being humbled and being, um, being, you know, humiliated a little bit to to some degree, um, at, at other people's and at other, um, people's altar. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. Okay. Well, I'm going to come down a little bit. I'm going to bring it down (laughs) and I'm not going to be so mad, but as soon as you said, went to New York city, or was on its way to New York city. I was like, you know who else went to New York city? (laughs) I I actually saw the same article and I was like, (sighs) it made me so mad. All right. So I think that another Catholic click that I would like to talk about, and again, I will bring it down and I'll talk about something super positive. There is a movement here. It started, I believe, in Nashville um, called uh, the Love Good Movement. So it's, um, I think it's like lovegood.com and it's run by a guy named Jimmy Mitchell. And from the moment we stepped foot in this city in Catholic communities, his name was like bubbling up. Like, do you know Jimmy Mitchell? Blah, 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 blah. I've never met the guy, by the way. My children have been to, you know, his his Bible studies and his um, formation groups and things like that, but I've never met him, which makes me think that I probably do need to meet him because I'm letting my children. <laughs> Mr. <go>. Mitchell. <laughs> meet the Can Yeagers. I meet you? Can we, can we sit down with you and just make sure you're cool? I'm sure he's very cool. But um, he does, you know, like students Steubenville conferences. He's a speaker. He's a musician. He's all of these things. But what I think is really cool about what he does, um, in addition to all of those things, is his Love Good movement, their their kind of slogan is raising standards for media. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. Right? I mean, yeah. that if, the, if there is a Bellator value, there it is. Like, yep. there's so many bad things that we can listen to, watch, consume on a daily basis that, you know, it almost – it dilutes the water, you know, yeah. and then it's hard to find the good stuff. And so to have a, a website and a movement out there that is dedicated to doing the distilling for us. Ooh, back to distillation. <laughs> we like our beer. <laughs> I guess it's a different process, but, you know, but, but they, exactly. But, but, you know, they're kind of doing that, that for us in a way. And yeah. so if you go to his website or you go to their website, cause it is a movement. I mean, I think he's the, 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 the head guy, he's the, the face guy, but there's so many other fantastic and accomplished artists who are part of his movement and kind of on the artistic team that um, you just go to their website and you get a list. If you want to be introduced to quality, um, you know, art- artists, musicians, people who can kind of raise your standard for consumption, uh, go to lovegood.com. You will not be disappointed. It is a good Catholic click. I love that one. I love that one. And Speaking of um, entertainment and media and uh, goodness, we like to laugh. And <laughs> in our house, we really like to laugh. My husband, is he's a funny guy, and he 
Um, if you catch him when he's on, oh my goodness, you will have stitches in your side and you might wet your pants because Truth. he's just, he's a funny guy. Um, and we have gotten on to watching Jim Gaffigan at night oh, and yes. we just giggle and giggle and giggle. And I think most people know, but maybe some people don't, that he's a very devout Catholic. He has um, five or six children. I think six, maybe? Five, I think five. It's five. Or six. I think he has five, five kids. kids. Yeah. And he's funny. And you know why I think he's so darn funny? He's clean. He ne- mm-hmm. You never have to worry about foul language. Mm-hmm. Some of it's a little salty, but you kind of have to be an adult to get the humor anyway. So yeah, yeah. my little one's like, why are y'all laughing at this? <laughs> funny and we're like, ha, ha. Uh, But he says it in such a way that it's, it's not offensive. He stays out of politics. Thank goodness. Yeah, like he yeah. doesn't, he doesn't preach from a moral high ground, but he's just funny. And then another comedian that I think is really funny is Jen Fulweiler. Do you follow any of her? Uh, I do, but she's like a newfound comedian. Like she started she out not as a, like, I think she's like a com- well, she's- as a computer programmer, like how many computer programmers <laughs> like turn into comedians? That's like- right. She is really, really funny. And she, I think has six children and um, has a pot great podcast. Yeah. Oh yeah. On Sirius. Know, in the market for more yeah. podcasts. Has a radio. Oh, she has a daily show. show. Yeah. Yeah. On Sirius and but she has a stand up tour that's going that that's um she's kind of in the middle right now. She's selling out you know locations here and there and um but she has a book called Something Other Than God. Yes. Which she put out a couple years ago and mm-hmm. it was when she was it's her conversion story from atheism to Catholicism. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's just got a sense of humor and she'll laugh and say things like you know I'm a mom I love my children I probably and not the, the motherly type. And so mm-hmm. she'll talk about her summers. Uh, this summer, she said, you know, every week she would take her kids to the pool because she wanted them to have one fun thing that they got to do. <laughs> and the rest of the time, you better believe they were on their screens from morning <laughs> till night. I mean, and of course she says it in her style, which is way funnier yeah. than me. Um, but you check her out if, if, uh, you like oh, she's super dry. I she's love, I love dry. listening to her talk. She's so funny. And I actually just read her book. It had been on my, on my bedside tower of Pisa for, <laughs> for at least a year, but I finally finished it this summer while we were on vacation, her book, One Beautiful Dream. So it's her second book. I okay. Think. So there's something other than God, which is her conversion story. And then there's One Beautiful Dream, which is kind of like the rest of the story, ah. you know, what happened after she converted and kind of how she, um, eased into or not eased that's the wrong word that's actually the opposite word how she struggled through and fought to figure <laughs> out what it was that God wanted her to do now you know yeah. um and and what that meant in terms of of working outside the house or doing something other than motherhood or or do you know uh, and okay this okay do you do you follow catholic twitter yeah were you abreast of all of the Catholic Twittering happening um, uh, since last week? There was a guy on a show who I really actually love the show. It's, it's Matt Frad's show. And oh, yeah. he had a, uh, a guy on who basically said outright women should not work outside the house. Ooh. Mm. Ooh. Poor mm. form. <laughs> <laughs> like, you just Catholic. angered half of your demographic. <laughs> Catholic Twitter exploded. <laughs> and awesome. I mean, so so much. I mean, I can't even believe like it was hard for me to even believe that we were having this argument like the, a guy said a stupid thing and everybody had to respond to it in some way, shape and form, which I really wanted to believe like we are we're beyond this now. Like yeah. we don't we don't have to keep having the conversation about yeah. that. Right. It's kind of like <laughs> and that's it's not like, what do we, we believe. Do like, we that's... really engage in the flat earth people anymore? Like no, please no. Like, let's no. just not talk about it. <laughs> because it's ex- not a thing. And it's yeah. not it's not something the church even promotes. Right. I mean, even yeah. our religious work, our yes. religious women, our our nuns yeah. and sisters, I mean, like you said earlier, they're the they're the founders of hospitals, churches, yeah. universities, you know, primary schools, you name it. They're the hardest working people, homeless mm-hmm. shelters, pregnancy shelters. Battered women shelters, like, give me a break. <laughs> yeah, and and people, I mean, like the 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 kind of uh, the mascot for the the Twitter uprising was Saint Gianna Mala, who was a doctor. She was a physician and a mother, and you know all of. Anyway, I was just kind of really, really incensed that that was even a conversation we were still having. But it was one. It was an issue that Jen Fulweiler dealt with really straightforwardly in her book. Like, now that I'm Catholic. 
I have the sense that I'm supposed to be home with my children, taking care of my children, but also I have this thing in me that that is created to do something else. And I have these dreams and I have these, you know, desires and I have this capacity and talent to do something other than cook (laughs) and, and wipe bottoms. And not that those aren't in and of themselves heroic feats because they are, because there's some days that I can't do either one of those very well. (laughs) So anybody who can do that regularly every single day, all day long is doing heroic work in and of itself, but not everybody's work is the same. Right. And so to say that women, women should not work outside the house. Oh my gosh. Like, are you kidding (laughs) me? Then should children only be taught by men in schools? I mean, like there's just, that's the silliest statement. Or by unmarried women. Like, only unmarried women could possibly, you know, oh my teach gosh. children. I don't know. It was, anyway, it was just one of those things. In the Catholic culture that I was just rolling, my, my eyes were so tired from rolling, all of the rolling that was happening through the course <laughs> of the week. I just needed to take a break from Catholic Twitter because it was driving me bonkers that we were even engaging in that because it seems like that we have such it was such low-hanging fruit you know I actually think I missed that so I'm glad I missed good that. yeah I've you us- were protected I've, I have I've, I feel like I usually see very um positive things on Catholic Twitter like praying for each other and helping out when somebody needs yeah. you know help or, yes um yeah. there, there's and that a happens of, too that <laughs> <laughs> it does I promise <laughs> Although I will say this, that I did, I started a little practice this week because of Catholic Twitter and because of just like so many things that were upsetting me. And maybe I'm hormonal. Maybe that's it. Maybe I was just having a bad week and everything was kind of like irking me. But I was, my default, especially when I'm kind of in one of those states of mind or just high anxiety. Oh, I also delivered my eldest child to college. So maybe something, (laughs) maybe something was on my mind and bothering me. And so I was buffering this past week. I was really buffering. And part of my buffering is, you know, picking up the phone and scrolling and looking at Twitter and looking at social media stuff. And it's, I mean, I'm not saying that I am I am not prone to that, but I did way more this week than I usually do. And by, I don't know, by the end of the week, I was like, what am I doing? My muscle memory is like going straight <laughs> to Twitter. It shouldn't be doing that. So um, again, referencing my Leaning Tower of Pisa book tower, I picked one of the books and I put it with my phone. And so every time I would go to reach for my phone, my book was right under my phone and I would carry my book and my phone (laughs) whenever I would go from room to room in the house. And I would have to make a conscious choice. I am going to choose the phone or I'm going to choose the book. And I chose the book way more times than I would have other had the phone and the book not been like using the buddy system. So (laughs) I'm just putting that out there. I feel like I'm just giving people public service announcements. (laughs) Use the buddy system. If you find that you're temperance with your phone and Catholic Twitter or whatever Twitter isn't what it should be, do the buddy system, like put something with your phone that, that, you know, you have to actually make a conscious choice. I'm choosing you over you. And, um, anyway, it helps me. That's good. That's awesome. I'm such an audible person that I don't, yeah, I actually do have books on my nightstand as well. Um, but I love audible. I love listening to books while I'm driving or while I'm cooking or whatever. So, I got to I got to get back on my Audible. I'm all for Audible. Do we want to do our last little bits? I think we're there. I mean, we I have like a hundred different more clicks, but we've been talking a long time on this stuff, and we, can. we and could go on and on. Yeah, and I, we'll come back to it. Stay yes. tuned. Stay tuned for Indeed. more Catholic clicks. Indeed. Okay, so let me tell you, my my last little bit has been hilarious. So my kids all go to Catholic school. My older two go to Notre Dame Preparatory High School, and my eldest is a senior. And they have this hilarious game, which it doesn't sound that funny. It is called assassination, but oh, stick yeah. with stick with me a little bit. Do y'all do that in Nashville? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I never heard of it. So our whole family is like somewhat shaky these days because we're like, was somebody in our driveway? Who, who was it? <laughs> you know, like. I called Julia to the um, to the front door because we had a coyote in our backyard, and I wanted her to see it. Well, she just knew that somebody was at the door to to get her out. To get her, yeah. And basically, what what this game is is all the kids put in like twenty five dollars, and they run it through the school. I'm not even sure who does it, but they oh, it's run through the school. Yes. Okay. I think. 
Okay. I'm pretty sure it is. I mean, I don't like what just a kid randomly do it. Or the mob. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> so they all put in $25 and you can, you pick your buddy. And so you're on a team and then uh-huh. you have a target and it's, it's, you know, another team of two kids and you want to get them out with like a water gun or a bottle of water and you have to video it for mm-hmm. like the evidence. And so if your target is not, but you have safety gear, so you can wear a floaty, a life jacket, um, <laughs> goggles, and they're safe places. So the school is a safe place. Yeah. Houses of worship are safe places. And your home is a safe place and tutoring locations, which I think is hilarious <laughs> that that's thrown in there. Tutoring locations. And um, my daughter has been doing her homework with a floaty on her arm. And it has to be inflated, by the way. <laughs> Can't be a deflated floaty. So it's like inflated on her arm or goggles around her neck at all times. And I'm like, are you scared to be in the house? And she's like, no, but... <laughs> What if somebody comes to the door and I don't expect it and they drag me out? And if I don't have this on, I mean, it's, and so yesterday we had a car in our driveway and our middle daughter said, and we live in a gated neighborhood, so you kind of have to know someone to get in, right, or, you know, yeah. and, um, our, our daughter's like, there was a car full of people and we're like, what people are you kidding? You know? And then we, we came down to like, do you think there were the kids probably trying to get Julia? And our daughter's like, yeah, I think so. And they were looking, they were kind of craning their necks looking in our window and I stood up, they sped off. And so, I mean, it's like we have real life stalkers. Now we're, we're doing it for fun, but Julie, go, Julie's like, now you're not just paranoid. You are actually being stalked. Yeah. I know. And so, and the other day, our daughter and her friend sat in a parking lot for two hours because their targets, yeah. you know, were maybe going to be coming to this store and Oh, my I think goodness. they did, but they had their safety gear on. So, we, like, we went to mass, you know, on Sunday we went to mass, and she had her goggles around her neck from the parking lot to the church and then took them off and put them in the pew. <laughs> so this is going to be really – I may have – this may be an ongoing last little bit. Like, I have to update everybody on her Her target. Is she out? And then they have purge days. And a purge day, you can get anyone out. It doesn't have to be your mm. target. And that's wow. pretty stressful. That's oh my goodness! Stressful. So that's not the that's not the assassination game that I was thinking of. But our children had a similar game like that last year, where it was Nerf Nerf Wars um, through this, and like they would shoot each other in public or like at Sonic, or they had. <laughs> yeah. And when we were taking our, this, will be my last little bit because when we were taking our eldest to college, <laughs> we had to clean out his car, and he still had Nerf guns under his seat. <laughs> <laughs> It's protection. <laughs> it was. He had, actually had water guns and Nerf guns in his car. And I'm like, you are 18 years old. <laughs> Why do you have this in your car? It's just fun. Um, I'm just so yeah. happy. There. It's just such a fun game and it's silly. And But um, yeah. it's been it's been funny to watch the teenagers and to start seeing kids mm-hmm. all over the Phoenix metro area with um, water yeah. safety gear <laughs> yeah. as their protection. It's Absolutely. Cute, but it's fun. I like to have fun. So again, my last little bit was just that we delivered a kid to college and um, I'm just thinking about all the parents who were doing this for the first time and for the fourth or fifth or sixth or seventh time. Like, does it get easier? I, I'm, I don't know. It's so weird. Matt and I were commenting on our way home from driving him, you know, d- dropping him off um, that it's like when they get to the age where they can kind of be like your friends. I mean, we're still, the, we're still the parents, but we can have conversations that are fun and mutually interesting and enjoy each other's company. And they were like, and now it's time for you to leave. Now, <laughs> now that you are a full fledged really person who can you. have a conversation. <laughs> now we want you to go and talk to other people. And it's so weird and ironic. And we were so drained and now I have to make a confession. So we were, uh, we, it was a Saturday that we left him. We, we arrived on Friday, unloaded his dorm room, and then uh, came back Saturday morning to make sure he had everything he needed and took him to brunch. And then we said our goodbyes and, you know, wept, did all the weeping, and then uh, got home. And then immediately we had to, like, switch gears and take one of our other kids to a back-to-school picnic for his uh, class. And we arrived, and there you know, you know, 100 people there, whatever. People are eating and visiting. And, I, I mean, Matt and I were both just emotionally spent. I mean, you can imagine. I mean, we yeah. were just like, I can't believe we just got rid of a kid. This is <laughs> – 
so hard. And so we said grace with, you know, all of the students and parents. And then everybody went through the little um, line to get their food. And Matt and I got our plates and we were like, I just, I just don't have it in me to talk to anybody. And Matt was like, you want to go eat in the car? And I was like, I do. I do. So we went separately. We like it was like we were doing something totally wrong. Like Matt yeah. went first, you and then first. I waited a little bit, and then I went, and we sat in the car with our air conditioning, and we just kind of like ate in silence, just because we were like we don't have any more to give no. anybody. No. It was so it was so weird. And then and then we then we got our courage, and we're like, okay, we're gonna leave the car together, right? We're, we're just gonna be adults, <laughs> and we're just gonna go throw away our plates side by no, side. Nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. Keep moving. <laughs> So we did. We threw away our plates, and then we went and we sat on a swing while uh, one of our kids was playing a game, like a yard game with some of his classmates, and we were just kind of sitting together, and this other couple came over to us, and they were like, hey, we're like, hey, how are you? We're like, well, we're we're kind of we're kind of low-key tonight, and they're like, I know. We just went and sat in the car together because it was really hot. We're like, oh, you did too. <laughs> God wink. That's a God wink. It was. It was. So that's my last little bit. When you think you're the only one, you're never the only one. No, no. no. There I are mean. other people. There are other people doing your thing, having your struggle. You just gotta. You gotta look for them, and and also admit to your weaknesses, and then you can really connect with people. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today on Bellator Colloquium. Please look for Bellator Society on everything social, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And if you like what we're doing here on this podcast, we would love for you to share that with us. Rate us on iTunes to help us get the word out and share, share, share. We cannot wait to chat next time right here on Bellator Colloquium, the conversation for online warriors for the true, good, and beautiful. Thank you.